As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMD, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman after what I think, Ari, I consider the, the most interesting midweek press conference that I have covered in what is now my eighth season on The Ohio State Beat, in which Ryan Day did not say much, but in not saying much, I felt like said a lot, and essentially, after giving multiple opportunities to express confidence in his defensive coordinator, uh, did not, and then at the end said he's still our coordinator and i found all of it very odd and i'm not really sure how to yeah, assume but. any of it yes Kerry is or uh, ryan is Kerry combs still your defensive coordinator yes but yes but like what is that what is that somebody said somebody commented on my story and said well in the midwest yes but is just a thing that people says and it and doesn't actually mean anything and my response was ryan Day's <laughs> from New Hampshire. i lived in ohio for 10 years i never heard anybody say yes but <laughs> They say, I say oh, yes, bud. Okay, <laughs> I say okay, bud. Yeah, bud. Um, just the way that Ryan Day answered the question today about Kerry Combs being Ohio State's defensive coordinator was how you used to answer when I say I love you, or how you used to answer when I say you're my best friend. It's how people. It's how I still answer, and people ask me if you and I are best. Yeah, friends. but um, no. All kidding aside, though. <laughs> You wrote a really, really good column about this on Tuesday, 
shortly before we started recording, and I urge everybody who is a subscriber to The Athletic to go read that. And if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, subscribe to The Athletic and then go read that. Theathletic.com slash 4-6, 50% off. It's very, very difficult to envision how Ohio State moves forward after there was, like, I mean, some people say, like, there's no ringing endorsement, or that was a ringing endorsement, which is the death kiss. It's just like, that was worse than 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 confidence, right? <laughs> you know, like when Athletic... That was yeah. not a vote of confidence. That was a the vote, vote of, of no confidence. confidence people yeah. think is a, is the kiss of death, right? Yeah, that was worse than the vote of confidence. And explain your story a little bit. It's like how does Ohio State move forward when publicly the coach is is I don't know if this is too strong, but just basically instilling zero confidence, throwing the defensive coordinator under the bus by not. And this is the thing about it too, Bill. Believe it or not, you don't have to say anything to make your point. And Ryan Day said nothing and made his point. Yeah, and and it's not. I don't even know if I'd say that he necessarily threw Kerry Combs under the bus because like Kerry Combs hasn't done a good job. I was just kind of surprised by it. Um, one thing I will say is like if you're an Ohio State fan and you were hoping that Ryan Day would be pissed off, like Ryan Day's pissed off. Um, how he's expressing that is interesting because it did feel throughout most of his press conference on Tuesday that he was just like the offense is fine, and it's like we got to get this thing fixed on defense. And he was asked in a few different ways. Um, basically questions that could have led him to expressing some kind of confidence in Kerry Combs as, as being the right coordinator to get this thing turned around. And he didn't do that. Um, and then Doug Maurice said, like, hey, is Kerry going to call defensive plays this week? And Ryan said, well, I don't want to get into that, which is, you know, to me is an answer of no. Um, but I, I suppose the answer can still be yes. And then we got through all of it. It was 30 minutes. Most, Almost all of the questions were about the defense. We got through all of it. And even at the end, like I still felt I needed to ask, and I did. Like, Ryan, yes or no, is Kerry Combs this team's defensive coordinator? And he said, I want to read, I'll, I'll read his answer um, verbatim. He said, yes, he's still the defensive coordinator, and he laughed. And then he said, but we're going to look at everything, and we're going to keep working toward Tulsa, who, by the way, Ohio State plays this week and figure out how the staff is working together, how the scheme works together, and then go from there. I don't, I don't know what that means. Which is like, neither do I. And I just don't know, like, he didn't undermine Kerry Combs because he is Kerry Combs superior. But whatever the correct word is for that, that is similar to undermine, that's what I felt like he did to Kerry Combs on Tuesday. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I think if Ryan Day wanted to make a change at coordinator, however difficult that might be in the midst of a season, I think he'd be within his rights to do so based off of Kerry Combs' job performance thus far and how bad the defense is right now. But this was like almost worse than that because he didn't make a change but said everything that you would say about a guy who you would soon be moving on from. Another word you know what I mean? for undermine is torpedo. torpedo. Is that a good one? Yeah. Torpedoed him? Torpedoed him. Thwarted yeah. him? Yeah, Undercut I think so. him? Undercut him? Yeah, cut his legs out? Yeah. I just don't know how Kerry Combs is like supposed to Sandbag go into the defensive him. staff room now. Sandbag them. I just don't know how Kerry Combs is supposed to go into the defensive meeting room now and like start putting a plan together and then start making calls on Saturday. And maybe Ryan Day said all this because he knows that's not going to happen. Um, but then why at the end are you still saying, yes, he's our defensive You know what's crazy? And I guess this is – I got a few texts from um, college football staffers not at Ohio State. And – they're basically laughing at how one loss has caused <laughs> what seems to be a complete overhaul of the coaching staff. Because everywhere else, 
one loss doesn't turn into this. And you've seen at other places, other places too that have won big, Texas, Michigan, Notre Dame, you name it, like big-time programs who have suffered multiple losses based on the same symptoms that caused other losses, that how Ohio State has completely melted down after just one loss. And it is kind of interesting to me because January was not that long ago. The Alabama game was not that long ago. And when everybody wanted Kerry Combs gone after the Alabama game, we kind of thought that was a little premature, right? Because it was mm-hmm. very easy to dismiss what happened with with Alabama as Ohio State lost to a better team. And that's that's pro- that's what happened, right? They lost to a better team. But in the context yep. of Ohio State's defensive strategy in that game, they were nowhere near prepared enough to win the national championship game from a schematic standpoint. Would you agree with that? So even though Alabama was better and that turned into a way for us to kind of accept what happened there, I think it was a symptom of an issue that needed to be corrected. So you go into the off season, you chalk it up to losing to Bama, you do whatever you do. Then you come into the Oregon game in week two of the following season and the defense right or wrong was not equipped from a coaching standpoint to compete at the highest possible level, which falls under Kerry Combs' purview. And if you um, put yourself in a position to figure out what's expected at Ohio State, it happening two times is enough to get fired. Like one time, okay. One time against Alabama, okay. And that's a bigger deal than any of them because I don't care how good Alabama is. You need to be prepared when you're four quarters away from winning a national title. I mean, you are right there. That's a big deal. But if it happens a second time, then everybody who was crazy for calling him to be fired after the Alabama game is now the majority of how everybody feels because it can't happen twice. So Mm -hmm. now when you put yourself in a position where you're Ryan Day and you're in, in charge of this team in this program, what is he supposed to do? It's like if you don't have confidence in Kerry Combs, which it certainly seems to me that he's lost the majority of it, if not all of it, based on the way that he acted or responded to questions in the news conference on Tuesday. What do you do? I know you mentioned that Arizona's former defensive coordinators and an analyst on the staff. I know that there's ways to, you know, rejigger things. But like in the middle of September, has Ohio State ever fired a coordinator? No. The Ohio State has not made major wholesale I mean, I don't changes. Know the last time the Ohio State's made, a, made an made an in 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 season coaching change um, hasn't happened since I've been on the beat. Um, I, I don't know the last time it happened before that, it's, and it's a good question. Like I, I don't know what you do, which is why I don't I don't think anything super drastic is going to happen. Ryan Day was asked about the person you're talking about, Paul Rhodes. Former head coach at Iowa State, a, a veteran defensive coordinator at multiple programs, most recently Arizona, um, is an on staff as an analyst. And uh, Doug Maurice asked Ryan Day, like, you have this guy on your staff. Would you ever consider elevating him and shuffling things around, and putting this more experienced person a coordinator? And Ryan Day's response was like, I don't think that'd be f-. It was funny. He said, I don't think that'd be fair to Paul. 
<laughs> not, I don't think that'd be fair to anybody else on the staff. He said, I don't think that'd be fair to Paul because Paul Rhodes in his analyst role doesn't get to coach the players. And he said he just doesn't feel like he'd have a good enough feel for the personnel to do something like that, which I would also then take and say, well, if he feels that way about a guy who's actually in the building, I would imagine he'd feel even strong, more strongly that way about someone who's not in the building, which is to say, like, I don't think he's going to bring in someone from the outside to coordinate this defense moving forward. I know some of that's out there um, and people are wondering about that. I'm not telling you I have information one way or the other. I'm just using that answer about Paul Rudds to infer that Ryan Day's not going to do that. Um, and I think that'd be really hard to pull off. So so then what? Um, so then what? What he does, I think reshuffling the staff, I don't know, like maybe it's something as simple as putting Kerry Combs up in the, co- in the coach's box and let him try to call the game from there. It's a different vantage point. Uh, maybe you call the game differently. Maybe you see things differently from there. Kerry Combs has always been a sideline coach. I think he likes that. He's he's an energy guy. He likes to give that to the players and receive it from the players. But his job is to see what's happening on the field and make the proper adjustments in game. And that's not happening. So maybe if he gets the bird's go eye birds. view, um, go birds. Uh, he could he could do that. I got you on one, didn't <laughs> in I? A better way. <laughs> From the, you could do that in a better way from the coach's box, uh, which is like the same conversation we were having in 2015 with Ed Warner when it just turned out that he wasn't a very good offensive coordinator no matter where he was watching from. Um, and that, I guess that could be the case here too. So may, maybe that's where you start. Maybe if Kerry does want to stay on the field because he just likes it so much down there, then, then someone in the box, whether that's like Al Washington or Matt Barnes, as more of the final voice on play calling. I think whatever the answer is, whatever like whatever changes come, they're going to be internal or they're going to come from the inside, they're not going to come from the outside. If there's even dramatic change at all, I think it's very possible, like we're having this conversation now, I wrote this column on Tuesday, everyone's kind of in a tizzy about this, and then they play Tulsa on Saturday, nothing's different. How much can you change in a week, Bill? Like, that's the thing. I feel like they're kind of stuck. Not a lot. Yeah, there's only I think I think there is only so much you can do in the course of a season. It is it is funny. Ryan Day kind of like opened up. I think his answer to his first question was something about like we're going to change things structurally. And the way my mind works is like, all right, here we go. We're going to start talking about two high safeties, maybe some more simulated pressures. Like, what kind of scheme stuff are we talking about? And like, it didn't click with me for like five other questions that changing things structurally meant changing the structure of the defensive staff. Um, so I think that is going to happen. I don't know if we'll ever get a straight answer. Were you disappointed that you weren't able to ask a technical defensive question about alignment and scheme? I tried to. I said, hey, uh, you know, no one else does this thing where you line up with one safety in the middle of the field before the snap. You think you might stop doing that? And I think I've asked that question like 10 times in the last year by now. Um, And he just said, like, we'll see. (laughs) So I don't don't know. I think that – I think that is a simple solution for the defense and also something that may like have to happen now because Josh Proctor who is out for the season which I think we did get to talk about in the last show we know he was hurt he's out for the year he had a, a fracture in his leg um, in that game on Saturday so he's gone so the only guy they had who could like reliably play free safety in my opinion is now no longer available so I think you have to play with two high safeties now um I don't know if the staff feels the same way or not, but like, yeah, I tried to ask and other people tried to ask, like when you talk about scheme changes, what are you, what are you thinking? And Ryan Day's like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you that. So uh, he's, he's holding something. So it's kind of like one of those things too, where you have to just sit back and wait uh, to see what the alignment looks like at Tulsa. But it's also like if Ohio state wants to re re organize how they play defense, why would you even show it at Tulsa? So you can't make any, make any major. Well, you got to play it to get better at it. That was part of their thing in 2019. It was like that the the single high thing in 2019 worked really well. One because they had Chase Young and Jeff. I was going to say, is it two, just a better idea? They just had better players in 19. 
They had better players in 19. They also didn't play anybody good until they played Clemson. Like, that schedule, they didn't play – particularly, they did not play a good offense. And I'm not saying they played world beaters so far, but I think both these offenses they played so far this year are probably better than any offense they saw in that year until they played Clemson. Um, but then they got – even when they got to the Michigan game that year, like, Michigan started taking advantage of, of some of that stuff that you that they do in that single high scheme. But Jeff Halfley switched things up a little bit, which is what – like, it went back, goes back to what I was saying last week. I feel like Halfley had a better feel for, for change-ups within this system because he's been in it longer. Um but yeah, it was also because they had awesome players. So uh, I just think they need to. Kerry Combs has not shown any changeups this year. I think he showed a little, little in the way of changeups last year. But like they're there, I'm sure they practice them. Um, they just don't play them in games. But I think if you're going to start playing them in games, it's not a thing where you like save it until you play a good team again. I think you need to put that on the field starting this Saturday, so that when the time comes when you actually so this you're this game, it. you're on the lookout. I mean, yeah, I was on a lookout last week against Oregon and didn't see anything different. So um, it's going to be like that that uh, that th- that meme from the office, like no doubt about it. I'm pre- I'm ready to be heard again. Um, but yeah, I'm on the lookout. We'll see. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know where it's going to start. I wonder if it starts more with like paring down the personnel or if it starts with legitimately rethinking some of these. Yeah. Things so I mean, the 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 issue here is multifaceted. You have scheme issues. Uh-huh. You have some question in personnel. Because I'm assuming if you went back and watched the tape, which you did, right? You probably saw people missing assignments or in the wrong position quite often. So you have that mm-hmm. going for you. And coaching and scheme are one and the same, but they're also different. And then you just have physical talent questions. You know, you have talent questions in the, at the safety position now that Proctor's out. We're not exactly sure who the best linebackers are. Um, maybe that's still in question. I am. <laughs> We're not sure if the line, best linebackers are going to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just seems like a mountain of issues. And like, where do you even begin? And like the other thing, too, that we're basically call, had us do this podcast right now is that I was through every single press conference of the Urban Meyer era in that room. And I don't ever remember there being a news conference like this where there were problems and there were clear frustrations from the head coach. And it is apparent this way. And like urban expressed frustration, Uh but this was vague and seemed daunting to me. Yeah. He kept it. he kept it pretty real. For as much as he kept it vague, I thought Ryan Day kept it pretty real. Like it was e- easy to tell that he was not happy, and easy to tell that he is going to make changes on some level, uh, which I kind of respected. But on the other hand of that, I, there is an interesting dynamic at foot here. And one of the things he did say, like, did kind of sit with me the wrong way. He said um, he was asked, like, are, are, "How bothered are you by this? That like you're you're in the second game of the year and you have to deal with this kind of stuff," um, which is basically to say, like, how. Uh, upset are you that you have to um, basically be in the defensive room figuring this out and he said uh, I'm not happy about that at all that's part of the deal for me to do what I need to do on offense I need the defense to be on point I need special teams to be on point I need Mark Pantoni to do a great job recruiting I need Mick Marotti to handle strength and conditioning the minute I get taken away for those type of things it takes away from everything else that's going on on offense to be honest with you that is disappointing and it's like that's great you're the head coach if you wanted to be an offensive coordinator, you shouldn't have taken the job. 
So, like, I don't feel bad for Ryan Day that he's upset by this. He picked the coordinator. He set this whole thing in motion. So, like, that to me, I, I thought that was a little off base, and that's like the kind of thing that I wonder, like, how that gets taken in the building. And I'm not trying to, like, fan flames of controversy here. Maybe everything's cool in the building, and it's just a bunch of grown men talking shit out. But, like, that to me, that, that quote in particular was like, I don't know if I would have said that. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's crazy how how quickly things can go off the rails, man. They are in a they are in a very interesting. They were in an interesting spot before today, and now I'm like I'm just like very curious. What I'm it's trying like to figure out like when the last time Ohio State was in such a weird position like this. Like I, 2018 felt pretty dysfunctional, and they had like the weird thing there with like Greg. They thought Greg Schiano was going to leave. And then he hired Alex Grinch, and then Greg Schiano didn't leave. So they had like two coordinators, and one of the coordinators didn't have the role that he thought he was going to have because Greg Schiano didn't leave. Like there was some some clear dysfunction there. And then by the way, you had a linebacker coach who you know couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag, um, and a corners coach who I would probably say the same thing about in Taver Johnson. Um, so there was a lot of dysfunction there. I don't know if this is the same or not. Like I don't I don't think this is the same. Um, but it might be. I don't know. I, 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 I'm not. I'm not sensing like a, a tremendous level of dysfunction at the moment. I think there is some anger, clearly, about how this has transpired, and I don't. Some of it feels like a little misdirected because, you know, Ryan Day's offense has not been perfect. They're certainly complicit in that loss to Oregon, especially, and even I would say like in the way things went against Alabama too. Like he didn't coach a great game against Alabama. The defense is what it is. It's not good enough, but. It's not like Ryan Day's been perfect handling the thing that he says should be his focus, which is running the offense either. So, like, there's plenty of blame to go around. Um, but I don't know, like, the way the way some of it was couched today just, like, makes me wonder exactly how things are transpiring within, within – Yeah, you know, it's, right like, now. crazy because you, you, you look at Ohio State through the lens of a national championship. You compare it to Alabama. You compare them to Clemson. You compare them to Georgia. And it's, like, right now a single loss – you know, for as much as we talk during the regular or during the offseason about how a single non-conference loss doesn't put Ohio State out of the discussion and it's a long season, rattled off five wins and the entire discussion's different, this does seem to be like a bigger crossroads than I was anticipating, even with a loss. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's not so much how does Ohio State fix their defense. It's like, are we trying to get to a point where we're understanding whether Ohio State can salvage a national championship season, or are you so far down down the line of just like that's not even remotely in the purview of this discussion? It's like whether or not Ohio State can win the Big Ten at this point. No, I'm not. I'm not there. Like that. That to me is like a, is is another level of dysfunction that I, that I was kind of alluding or talking about earlier back in, in 2018. I I don't think that's where they are. I think a lot of this can be good. I think a lot of good can come from this. 
Um, if 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 the way that Ryan Day was talking to us on Tuesday is like indicative of the conversations they're having in the building, and and I think they are, and they're probably more honest and real because Ryan Day is not going to say absolutely everything he thinks to us. Why would he? Um, I think some good can come of that. Um, I just don't know what it's going to look like, and I, I kind of don't. Some of the things that Ryan Day said on Tuesday could lead you to believe, I think, rather easily that things are going to look drastically different, and but like, and I'm like across the board, and, and the way the staff is structured, and the, and the way the scheme is implemented, what the scheme is, and who plays. And I just don't, I don't know if that's actually going to be the case. I don't know how realistic, dramatic change like that across the board is when you're already into your season, and in a month you got to play Indiana and Penn yeah. State. I mean, a month is a long time. That's a good thing. You know, a month is a long yeah. time. Yeah. You know, and it's just like you want to see them come out and maybe look a little bit different, maybe get uh, more players on the field that that are the best and playing the longest. Um, he also visited the idea of rotation. Uh, what was his, his take on the rotation scenario, and, and did you buy what he had to say on that? I thought those answers were odd. There, there, like Breaking it down, there were a couple different weird things. Um, one on seven banks – who dressed for both games and didn't play, was not on the availability report for either game. Um, Ryan Day was asked, like, what's the deal with Seven Banks? Is it injury-related? And he said, like, no. And then he said, uh, like, he's, he should be healthy enough to play this week. Like, the, the the gist that I got from it was it's like, Seven Banks, like, wasn't good enough to get on the field, which is kind of shocking. Um, maybe I'm reading that wrong. So I thought that was weird, but apparently, you know, he says he thinks we're going to get seven banks on the field this week against Tulsa. Um, on the linebacker stuff, uh, Austin Ward asked this question, and, and I agree with the premise. Like, there's not a lot of consistency at linebacker because they're playing so many guys, and I think that's a position where you need to, like, settle in and get kind of a rhythm, and I think that's difficult when they keep, like, rotating out of the game every other series. Um, but then Ryan Day's take on that was like, yeah, well, we haven't seen enough consistency to leave guys in there for longer. And I was like, well – one of those things impacts the other. Like, I think if you played Cody Simon and Taraja Mitchell all the time, you would get more consistent linebacker play. But because you don't, you're getting inconsistent linebacker play. So it's there's like a disconnect there that I think is kind of strange. Um, and also they said last week, or he said last week, like well, he gave the impression anyway that they're going to start pairing some of that stuff down, and then they didn't. They did on offense because they only played Mayan Williams and Trevion Henderson at running back, but they didn't do that on defense except for maybe a cornerback where um, Denzel Burke and – played almost all the snaps and cam brown played a chunk too um but at safety and linebacker and on the defensive line there's still a whole lot of rotation going on which i think so what's the deal with seven banks one bit. he's not he's not on the no availability idea. report am i right about that i knew he was not I, like he and he was banged up during camp for sure like there were times a few times i think we were out there that seven wasn't practicing um so i think i think there is an injury element to this but for whatever reason, they didn't put him on the availability report either week. Because I mean, they're not obligated to. They're not even obligated to make that report. Um, they just do it because we asked them to. Um, so maybe that's it. Uh, I, but it's odd to me that he didn't play. If he was a if he was a quote uh, emergency situation against Minnesota, and then dressed again and seemingly looking ready to play against Oregon, and it seemed to me like you could have used your best defensive players on the field in that game, then he didn't play. It feels to me like that's more than just an injury thing. Now, Denzel Burke and Cameron Brown were really good in that game, so maybe they felt like they didn't need him, and like cornerback wasn't the issue in that game. So maybe that's what it is, but it's weird to yeah. me that he didn't play. Weird. One more thing on uh, on the personnel stuff. Um, just because I, I think I said on the last show that I didn't think JT Tuimaloa played all that well. Uh, rewatching the oh, game, played okay, yeah, I was, so I, was I, I didn't want to push back at you wanted, because you're like Mister Mister. I understand football, and it was like I thought he looked awesome out there. 
Oh yeah, I'll offer a, a mea culpa on that. I, I my my initial uh, gut reaction to that was wrong, and rewatching it, he played pretty well, and I, and should play more. Yeah, my bad. Um, let me ask you this: Ryan Day, in general, what do you think the temperament was, and how you felt he looked? How was he, you know, kind of handling this? And in terms of the way that the fan base might view him, like a little bit of what I've said after the game when we recorded on Sunday of just like this is his post-Virginia Tech moment. I mean, does it feel that way in the building? Like, is this like a moment that could help define what we think of Ryan Day in five years? Because it's like I had this like weird yeah. thought today. And it was during a discussion with one of the the – college football staffers that doesn't coach at Ohio state. But that person said Ohio state fans didn't realize how good they had it when they had urban Meyer. And that when urban Meyer was at the peak of his game, that's the peak of, of college football coaching in general. And it's just like, things have been going so well from the first two years under Ryan day. And I wonder, and I don't know that I believe this, but I wonder if this could be the beginning of a period of time where we start to realize just how good Urban Meyer was. Like, does do you do you have the the confidence in Ryan Day's ability to make necessary changes, make hard decisions, to make wholesale adjustments during major critical times in the season? And like, is this a a point in time where we're going to look back and remember him for how he did? I think it's a really good question. Um, I don't. I don't know that I have any – I don't want to say that I have any confidence one way or the other. I'm just, like, interested to watch it play out. Um, I don't – you could say you have confidence in Ryan Day because you like Ryan Day. If you're, like, just, like, a Ryan Day fan, like, of course you would say you have confidence in him. I think Ryan's a good coach. I think he's proven that he's a good game day coach. But um, this is, like, uncharted territory for him. This is, like, another step in his evolution as a head coach. He's got hard decisions to make, and, and he has to get this thing righted. So um, – I think it's interesting that people don't know how know how good they had it when Urban was here, and I think that's probably true for 12, 13, and 14, but then they started to get away from him in 15 for for some of these things we're talking about now. He made he made bad hires. He made the wrong hires in important positions, and um, I think it at the moment it looks like Ryan Day made the wrong hire with Kerry Combs, um, but that doesn't mean they can't figure out a way to get that right. It and I'm I'm just very interested to see if they do. I'm I'm, I'm fascinated to see how Ryan. What would you give him as so well, I, a I grade though? Like, we have some context of how he is as a hirer. Like, what's his grade? Is it Jeff Halfley A? Everybody else C? Maybe F? No, like I thought. I thought Halfley was a good hire. I thought Greg Madison was a good hire. Um, I don't. Like Matt Matt Barnes, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. If there's like a super tangible impact there for me to give a, a hard grade on it. Like Kerry Combs looks like an F right now. Yeah, um, and like I think Madison and Halfley and Combs are are the most important hiring decisions that he has made thus far. There's some question about and quarterback coach. He, um. Yes and no. Like, he's the quarterback coach. Like, if you have a problem with him promoting Corey Dennis because you don't feel like Corey Dennis deserves it, I think that's fine. Whether or not that's actually impacting the team, I think I would push back on because Ryan Day, at the end of the day, is the quarterback's coach. Um, so, like, odd de- decision, I suppose, but it, uh, in terms of its impact, I think it's minimal. Um, 
I'm, I, th- I think the defensive coordinator hires have been much more impactful. And and his first time around, I think he did a pretty good job. Clearly, And he is helped along by that because of how good they were talent-wise that year in 2019. Um, and right now, his second hire, his decision – his, his decision not only to hire Kerry Combs before last season, but then to assess last season and then basically not make any changes coming into this season, I would give Fs to, for sure. Yeah, because it's like so he's got an a, he's got an A and an F. What's that? That's like a that's like a three. I, I think that what you do, but, two five, but two you five say GPA. like, well, if I like Ryan Day, I can, you know, instill confidence in him because we don't see. But I think we have kind of gotten a window into whether or not Ryan Day is proficient in these areas. And I think you could make the case that in the summer when they lost Jeff Halfley and two summers ago and when they when they had openings this past summer, they had an opportunity to go out and get whoever they wanted. And Ohio State quarter – what would you say that the defensive coordinator at Ohio State is? Like the most – or second most, or top ten at least, most coveted jobs. That's not a head coaching job in America. And it's like, so you go out sure. and you get Kerry Combs because you know him. And I'm, and at the time, it seemed like it makes it's like we it made sense to us. Kerry Combs is a Buckeye. He loves Ohio State more than he loves his family. He's been a tremendous recruiter. He <laughs> developed talent in the secondary at a high level. But it's just like no matter how close you are to Ohio State or what you've done in the past for Ohio State, I'm not necessarily sure that any coordinator at Ohio State ever should get the job without prior experience. Like, you have to be qualified yeah. to have this job. Somebody else so, somebody else said that to me today, too, but it's like, and like, but Jeff Halfley didn't have prior experience, but, but Jeff Halfley was brought here along with Greg Madison. I think they, like, help him along in that regard. Um, and Greg Madison was here last year. It's kind of strange. Like, I feel like I feel like Greg Madison was like very integral in 2019 and just like helping them get their shit back together defensively. And like in the end, Jeff Halfley might've been the shot caller there, but I think that Greg Madison's influence mattered greatly. And then last year when Kerry came and I don't know if this is true or not, it's just like the vibe that I got was that like Greg Madison was just sort of like ostracized a little bit, just like he was there, but he didn't feel particularly influential. Um, and then now he's not here at all. And now you look in that room and it's like a coordinator who appears to be in over his head. And like Larry Johnson's been coaching ball for a long time, but there's no one else in that room is a coordinator experience. And I think there's, there's like, well, let's be count Paul Rhodes, but I do think that there is a glaring lack of experience at the top um, that is coming into play here in a bad way for Ohio state. Yeah. And I mean, it's super easy too to be like, well, you can't hire somebody without coaching experience when it blows up. Like if Kerry Combs would have been the perfect play caller, then you don't even think about these sort of things. But that's that's the hardest part about making $6 million a year is that you have to be right. So if you thought it was the best case scenario to hire somebody who is a, top, top, a top-notch recruiter with familiarity with Columbus and Ohio State, it makes total sense to go hire Kerry Combs. But the one thing that I will say is if you think about where Urban Meyer got into most trouble, where was it? It was hiring people he knew. And it's just like you, you kind of got to get out of that box a little bit, I think. You know, and you put yourself in a position where, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you, you open up. It's kind of like a sports journalism job on a pro beat at a major publication. The second that, that, that there's a Utah Jazz opening to cover the Utah Jazz for the Salt Lake City Tribune, which might sound like a job you could be interested in another lifetime. Every single person... I may or may not have applied for that job once before. Every single person that does what we do... 
or is climbing the corporate ladder or the journalism ladder to being a recognizable beat writer would apply for that job. Okay. That's a step ladder job. That's one thing. Two would be like national college football reporter for the New York times. That job I would apply for tomorrow. Maybe. Sorry guys at the athletic. I, I I'm very happy. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> There's top level jobs and you know, you might be kind of interested in the salt Lake tribune job you know if that's something that's interesting to you but everybody's interested in the new york times job and that's ohio state's defensive coordinator Mm -hmm. position and it's just like you go out and you get the best person for that job regardless of how many years they spent in ohio or what they've done in the past if they don't have like you name a single coordinator on the planet that wouldn't want that job it's like even even coordinators at other big time programs would leave for that job so so it's like you can't yeah Yeah, you can't fall into the trap it's like and listen, Kerry Combs is not Bill Davis, okay? He's he's a decorated, he's beloved member of the Ohio State community with a national championship ring and somebody who developed multiple first-round draft picks. So, like, if you're one of these people of just, like, fire Kerry Combs, he sucks, he's a fake Buckeye, you're an asshole. I mean, he's done a lot for this university, and they have a national championship ring in part because of his hard work. That said, I don't know if all of those things are qualifications to being a defensive coordinator. Yeah, no, I, I I think that's right. And and listen, when when Ryan Day made the decision, um, and I feel like we're kind of talking about like Kerry Combs is no longer the defensive coordinator. He still is, um, for now anyway. Um, yeah. When but- Ryan Day made that decision, like I don't, I um, I can't remember what I wrote exactly back then. And I'm the type of person too, like when personnel decisions like that are made, like I I don't really have a hard take on it either way when they happen. I like to see things play out. But like I could kind of get behind it because I knew that Kerry was a good cornerbacks coach. I knew he was a really good recruiter, and he had spent two years in Tennessee with Mike Vrabel and Dean Peace, learning what I thought was uh, a pretty intricate and interesting defense. And like I was excited to see what he took from that and brought to Ohio State. The answer, it turns out, is nothing. Um, and I don't know if that's because he's incapable of doing it. Because well, that's the thing that's really, really hard him. to being in this um, in this I think situation. It's the Urban Meyer, when he was here was an offensive-minded head coach and would act like he didn't know what the hell was going on on defense. He's like, I don't even go in those rooms. I don't yeah. know what's going on in there. But it's like, is the single high safety thing a Ryan Day mandate? You hire somebody, they've got to come in, and they have to run that defense? Because that makes the job less attractive. Yeah, and, and maybe that was at play, too. It did not seem like the net was cast particularly wide when Ryan Day made that hire. He seemed to lock on the carry pretty, pretty early on, though. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't... I think I said on the last show that if Kerry Combs was was given carte blanche here to run whatever defense he wanted, I don't think he'd run this defense. Um, like Ryan Day's the head coach, so like what he says goes. And I guess at the end of the day, that's all that matters. But that's another one of the things that like bothered me today was like someone asked Ryan Day, like, "Are you going to be in the defensive meeting rooms more going through all this?" And he said, "Well, not with the intricacies of the defense. Well, like that's already happened. The defense looks the way it does is because you want it to look that way." So, like, don't pretend like you're not involved with the intricacies when, like, the way you align is because you want it that way. So, like, I it, it felt to me like he was passing the buck a little too much today de- defensively because, like, ultimately this all comes back to him. He picked the guy. He picked this preferred scheme. Um, and, like, that doesn't mean he won't be willing to change on it. But, like, I, I don't know. I didn't feel like he owned enough of that. Uh, and maybe that's on us, too, for not asking him questions in which he could have owned enough of that. Um but, yeah, I do think it was when when he was looking for a coordinator, it was kind of like, here's what we do. Do you want to come coach this? Um, and now I think Kerry Combs has found himself in an uncomfortable position coaching a defense that I don't think is particularly to his liking. 
Um, it's not to say that if he was coaching his own deal, he would have the feel or make, make, make the right calls, and this would be an awesome defense. Um, but again, as I've said before, I'd like to maybe see him get a shot at that before we just close the book on Kerry Combs as defensive coordinator, but I don't know if he's going to get that shot because I don't think that that's going to happen with this defense moving forward. I think they're still going to play a ton of cover one and a ton of cover three. Um, and the, the changes, I think, will be minimal, if, if any. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting situation. Yeah, and here's the other thing I wanted to make sure that we did on this podcast, 36 minutes into it. Last year when Cam Brown got injured, it was very easy to say, hey, that's unfortunate. He's a young stud. He'll get back. Ohio State will be fine. Turns out that was an instrumental loss to that defense, right? Josh Proctor is out for the year. Like, that is a major blow at the worst possible time. At the worst probably possible position for yes. them, too, to play defense this way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know what they're going to do. Um, like, I, Ryan Day said a thing about like Bryson Shaw today that led me to believe that they weren't particularly happy with how he's played, and I think everybody listening to this would, would say the same thing. Not to rag on a guy. He's far from the only reason why the defense is bad. Um so I don't know if he remain if he's just like the starter at free safety now and that's it, or if they start doing some different stuff. Like I would like to see them align with two safeties before the snap and put like Ronnie Hickman or Lathan Ransom back there, or put Ronnie Hickman and Court Williams back there, or Lathan Ransom and Court Williams back there, or Jansen Dunn, who I thought you know played okay in the spring game. It's a spring game, so I guess that doesn't mean anything. But they have intriguing athletes, and most of them are pretty young and guys who haven't played a ton. Um, I'd like to see them get a shot and maybe throw those guys back there and see what they can do in a, in a system that looks a little different but is largely the same in terms of their calls and stuff. But, yeah, if, they, if they're just going to line up like they've lined up the last two-plus seasons and don't have Josh Proctor anymore, who I thought was really turning a corner. Like, he, he was good in spurts last year. I thought he had been pretty consistently good in, in the snaps he played uh, in the two games this season. And if they're just going to like line it up like they've always lined it up without him there and try to work in somebody else to play that spot, like I, I, that does not sound like something that's going to end particularly well for Ohio State to me. Like that's a yeah, big time. It's loss. like it's a personnel issue. Yeah, they have not. They have for for it being such an important position on the defense. The way they've recruited it has been interesting. Now I think they recruited Lathan Ransom thinking he could play that spot and it like to this point i guess it's worked out that they we felt like they haven't had to play him there and and in the meantime found out that, that he's pretty good in the other safety spot where he's essentially functioning as a slot corner so maybe he's just the next guy up but it's like in terms of who they've recruited since they switched to this defense it's basically him and jensen dunn um which is I don't know how much confidence that inspires in people, but I would at least be interested in seeing what they can do, especially now when you're playing Tulsa and, and Akron is going to be yeah. a bloodbath in two weeks. Um, but it'd be interesting. like, And I think maybe that's where most of the change comes in. It, I think in the end the, the changes might be more personnel-based than they are scheme-based. Yeah. It's a triple threat right there. Yeah. Is it personnel? Is it scheme? Is it coaching? Yeah. It's everything. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was a very interesting day. Um, fascinated to see what happens now. Ryan Day was the only one that spoke on Tuesday, which is also weird. Usually we get um, some players and maybe a, a coach. We did talk to Kerry Combs after the game, which I'll give him credit for because there have been times in the past here where um, assistant coaches have not had good days and their players had to kind of answer for that. Kerry Combs did come up and talk to us after the game, so I'm not surprised he didn't talk today uh, or on Tuesday. Um us. We'll see who talks on Wednesday. We don't know yet, but and then we'll get Ryan Day again later in the week on on Thursday, maybe get some more clarity on on where this is going. But they are they are in a fascinating position. Like I don't, I think a lot of the tone of this might have felt doom and gloom, and but I don't I don't feel that way. I don't know if you. Feel I feel like that. Like I don't. Yeah. Do you like? I don't feel like this is about to implode. Do you feel like this is about to implode? I think it imploded. I I I, I don't. It already has imploded. There's no like the thing that always. That always like made me chuckle a little bit, and maybe that's not the right way to put it. But when Urban was the head coach, every single time they lost, it was a major bomb that went off, and heads had to roll, or changes needed to be made, or that could never happen again type of a thing. And the thing that we always used to say when these things would happen was, well, good thing Ohio State lost, because now they have paid the consequence for something that was wrong, and it's going to force them to make it right, right? Ryan Day said that on Tuesday. The poor fortunate thing that, you know, of this is now that we know there's a problem and we can fix it. And it's like a real, really, really good coach shouldn't have to lose in order to make those changes. So Ohio State lost a game that in reality doesn't take them out of the playoff hunt because if they win the Big Ten and there's one loss conference champion, I'm sure they'll be in. But it takes away all their benefit of the doubt. It puts them in a situation where they have to be perfect. And I have real legitimate questions about all three things on defense, scheme, personnel, and coaching. And I don't think I've ever been in that position as a reporter covering Ohio state in my entire life. Like I, not in 2018. I don't think personnel was, I mean, they were bad, but by the time the Maryland game had already happened, they already imploded as a program. Like, the, the Maryland game was awful, but did, yeah. who did they lose to earlier in that year? Was it Purdue that year? So like Purdue. It was Purdue, like, okay, yeah. I mean, the, the cat's already out of the bag. So, like, if Ohio State goes up and gives 550 yards up to Maryland this year, then I guess, you know, you could say it's just like 2018. But in my opinion, the way that that Oregon game played, played out was worse than 18 in terms of how wide open people were and how hopeless it seemed. And I know that Oregon is a better team than Maryland, But, like, Ohio State now is going into week three not knowing for sure if their head coach has any confidence whatsoever in their coordinator. 
uh, on defense, and not sh- now with Josh Proctor's injury, not sure if we have the the uh, personnel that's in place in order to fix the problem. And then, of course, you won't know for sure if the problem is even fixable until they play anybody good, which isn't for another month. So, like, I guess Im- true implosion is complete removal from college football playoff discussion, which is something Ohio State hasn't ever had to do. Like, the last time that they were out of the college football playoff talk was when? During the regular season. Like, we thought they were out of it all of 2014 uh, when they weren't, but that was the first year. 17 after they lost to Iowa and they had two losses. Iowa was their second loss that year? Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. Early in the year. But even then it was like, but even then it was like, oh. Yeah, weren't we, they still I, like fifth I, or I sixth at the end of like, that year? I was like, can they do enough to, because they still got to the Big Ten uh, yeah. championship and won. Um, and then went to the Cotton Bowl. So I think there was even some talk then, like, oh, can they get in as a two-loss team, be the first one to get in as a two-loss team, which will also happen again if they lose again this year, which I don't think is going to happen. What don't you think is going to happen? I guess it could, that they're going to lose At again all? this year. I don't think they're going to lose again. I wouldn't bet that they're yeah. going to win out. Because I don't think – I don't think – I think they do have serious defensive flaws that I'm not – 100% confident are going to get fixed moving forward. I'm just not sure they play another team that can exploit it. I don't think Oregon is that much better than Penn State. I don't think Oregon's that much better than Michigan. Personnel-wise, I think you're right. Um, Michigan maybe runs a style that's a little bit I guess, harder I guess, for them to exploit what Ohio State got exploited by. And, like, listen, there, there's one play design that got linebackers and safeties mixed up. Uh, a few times that, you know, bit them in the butt a little bit. But, like, I don't – like, Oregon might be a two- or three-loss team. Like, I, I think once we get some context, like, I don't think oh, this this loss is very easy to sit back and say, you know what, Ohio State lost to a top-five team. It's like they're top-five because they beat Ohio State, not because they were top-five before. Like – Oh, yeah, no, I don't think they're a top-five top team. 15 team this year. Without their best player, yeah, too. I, they but beat, I also, beat them without their best player. I also won't be surprised if Oregon doesn't lose again because their schedule the rest of the way is not particularly tough. They, I think like UCLA is the best team they play the rest of the year. Um, so like if they're twelve and zero, yeah, I'm not going to be shocked stuff. by that. That'd be great. That, that'd be great for Ohio State if, if they're twelve and zero. Obviously, um, no. I guess. Well, I guess I based that on too. Like Oregon did like one thing, and Ohio State like never adjusted to it. And other teams will try that one thing. And I'm hoping that Ohio State adjusts to it, but I guess it's possible they don't because of 2018. But if there's one thing that can either. catch them like that, it's not um, the only thing that will. Yeah, I guess that's true. They also, I don't like. I think Joe Moorhead's a pretty good coordinator too, and I don't know if they're going to come across that brain power yeah. either moving forward. You know, I, I would not be surprised if they didn't lose again. I mean, I, I think that Ohio State is is immeasurably better than all the. I think they're immeasurably better than Oregon. They are, but I will say, like we talked about, like win totals early in the year, and I was like, well, if my choices are, am I going to pick Ohio State to lose two games or go undefeated? Like I'm always going to pick Ohio State to go undefeated. They are, they are much closer to a two loss team talent wise, particularly on defense, than I thought Me they too. were coming into the season. Like yeah. having watched them now play two games, like I. Like, but what's I'll, the definition of implosion? That. Is implosion yeah. out of the losing or out of the playoff discussion? Um. I think it's more intricate than that. Like I don't, I don't think if Ohio State doesn't make the playoffs this year, that it is an outright implosion. It's like kind of like how that feels along the way, and if there's just like clear dissension within the staff and the players, and like and like things just aren't collecting. So like I don't think there's like one thing that can happen to lead me to believe that that, that the season has like gotten away from them. 
Um, it's more of a feeling out process, I think, over the course of the season, which I'm on alert for, for sure, but I don't think they're there yet. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's two different types of implosion. There's what's going on in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center and what it means to be a fan of the team. And it's like Ohio State's one more loss yeah. away from having an irrelevant year. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's right. And I also, like, whenever – it's so funny to me. Like, the thing you were saying earlier about um, how people react around here when Ohio State loses a game – and sometimes, like sometimes, I mean, oftentimes, I mean, like it feels like such a disproportionate reaction. But I think, like, we should also be in tune with how the fan base feels. So I think we're talking about some of these things. But I also don't know, like, are we all are we all totally overreacting right now? Like, I have no idea. I think it's possible. Maybe we're all totally overreacting. I don't know so that we're overreacting. This, like, Ohio State's got a, has a certain standard. Broken of competing for and making the national championship and making the playoff. And I think it's possible that we might have misdiagnosed how good Ohio State was just because it's easy to look at recruiting mm-hmm. results and say, hey, look how loaded they are. And it's like I look at their recruiting results and I say, hey, this team better win a national championship sometime in the next three years or Ryan Day failed. But it's like also this team might have just not been a playoff team this year. And it's like, you know, and I think that right. we're so wrapped up sometimes in comparing Ohio State to Alabama that we forget that they're not. That's true. And I also think, like, I think this could end up being a 10-2 and two season where Ohio State doesn't make the playoff without that being a referendum on the direction of the program. Does that make I sense? I would agree like, with you, that because the only thing I care about is who's coming yeah. in. Right, and that's still pretty good. That's Alabama good. But the thing that, that will keep me up yeah. at night – and I tweeted about this last week, and people were making fun of me. But I said, when you die, did you see this? When you die, no, you get three questions to God. My question <laughs> one would be, how does Alabama do it? And everybody's like, ha, 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 you moron. You don't know what Nick Saban is? You never heard of Nick Saban? And it's like, yeah, dudes. I freaking heard of Nick Saban. I want to know specifically how he's managed to take a program and never, ever drop off at a, at a at a seismic level, the way that Ohio State feels like they've dropped off this year. It's like, what? you know what's going to happen? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to get up there and you're going to get your three questions and you're going to go up to God and you're going to say, Hey, uh, here's my first question. How does Nick Saban do it? And then, but, but when you get there, like God's back will be to you. So you won't <laughs> see God and then God's going to turn around yeah. and it's Nick Saban. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Because, like, we joke about it all the time, but, like, it is something that bothers me as a reporter because I want to do a good job and I want to provide as much context as I possibly can to the people who are loyal enough to not only listen to us to pay for our content. And that question is, what is stopping Ohio State from being Alabama? And it's something that we or I tried to discuss with you for a long time after the national championship game. And, like, the answer that we can provide you is, well, Nick Saban's a genius. But I want to know specifically what is that genius? What's the difference? How do they continue to do it? Because it's just like you look at Ohio State's roster and how it's built up. It's not quite at Alabama's level. But when's the last time Alabama was in this situation where they were questioning their coordinator in week two, lost to a severely under uh, or a, a severe underdog in terms of talent. And then like there seemed to be major hiccups within the program. It's like, I know they lost a few times to Ole Miss when they shouldn't have, you know, 
But like the amount of national championships that team has won and the successes they've had, it is pretty remarkable. And it just takes Ohio State losing for you to remember to say, hey, you know what? Ohio State just lost maybe one of the best quarterbacks in, in college football history. Their defense lost a ton. They just don't have it this year. You know what I mean? And like my brain and the way that it works based on the talent that Ohio State's brought into the program has a very hard time identifying that. And I still think that Ohio State might be able to average 45 points a game this year. And I still think that they've got two of the best two of the best receivers in college football. Their offensive line is one of the best in college football. CJ Stroud will probably get to where he needs to be. But just like, well, you know what? Their linebackers and safeties aren't very good, and their defensive line gets no push. You know what that means? No national title. And it's just like at Alabama, yep. it's like, when's the last time you're like their line their linebackers stink? They're they're and I'm not saying Ohio State stink. I'm just I'm just saying that the production right now. And their defensive backs are discombobulated. They had a major injury. You don't know if they're going to play single high safety. There's no push on the defensive front. Like, when's that ever been an Alabama problem? Never. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't cover Alabama closely enough to know the, the the right answer to that. I will say it did feel like Alabama was was asking some existential questions about itself defensively last year. After I think like they almost lost the Ole Miss, right? Or like the Ole Miss game was like super high scoring. They didn't almost yeah, lose Ole Miss game scored I think like forty five or fifty on them, but they were never in danger of losing. Yeah, but yeah. So like, and they and they won the game. Yeah, they won the game. Um, so like I think that has happened. I don't know if it ever happens to this level because it always just kind of comes back to Saban. Um, they have a ton of staff turnover there, but it's usually because they're going off to get better jobs. I don't think because I don't think people get fired for poor job performance very often there. But I could be wrong. Someone listening to this knows more about Alabama. Please tell me because I, I like to be educated on that. But it could it's also just the sheer just amount be, of production though, that, of national championships. That's all you need to know of how many times they've played and yeah. competed at the highest level. It's more than anybody on a consistent basis, regardless of what they lost. I mean, we're talking about Alabama right now. You know what they lost after last year? They're back. Mm-hmm. They're there. They're going to the playoff. We think they're yeah, back. I know. We'll see. I mean, we'll maybe see. they played their they played their typical helmet game against the Miami team that is you know, clearly Oregon not very was good a helmet they game. Lost to App State. No, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. But we do this with Alabama every year. Alabama beats a name. No. And then wins its second game because it plays some cupcake. We do it all no, the time. And most of the time, we're right. Almost all the time, we're right. But we're not always right. So, like, I'm not. Alabama is always very good. Alabama is going to go to the playoff. It's probably going to win the again. national championship. Yeah. But I'm not saying, like, Alabama. Again, yeah, of course, it's what they do. But I'm not like, here we go. Same old Alabama because they beat Miami and Mercer. No, no, I know. I know. Miami I know. Sucks. I know. It's just how many national titles has it been? It's insane. Yeah, but it's not even worth, like, Ohio State is not, never has been, never will be Alabama as it is currently constructed. What's the difference? So, like, uh, these nuts <laughs> jokes. I just wish I could explain that. What, what's that difference? It's the same thing of, like, why does Texas always stink? Why? Nobody can say why. It's just they do. I'm, I'm an, I'm an, I want yeah. concrete explanations for things, and when they can't be provided because either they're secret or because it's unexplainable, it bothers me. You appeal to a higher power. Yeah, that's my that's second question, God. Why can't Texas be back? <laughs> why is Texas never back? Yeah. Uh, what's the third question? How does Chili's make a hamburger 1,300 calories without the bun? <laughs> <laughs> that, go go look at Chili's thing, menu yeah. and tell me how nachos and cheese is like 1,700 calories for a small plate of nachos. Yeah. Do you, uh, before we wrap up here, you got you to gotta pick for a high state first Tulsa? 52 to 17. I don't, I don't know. Tulsa wins. Here's, 
those, no, no. Ohio lines. State's a twenty-six yeah. point favorite, like a, right? Yeah, I, the first line I saw was like thirty-one, and then it was immediately twenty-six. And I don't know if like that got bet down that quickly, or if there the original line was just wrong. I never saw thirty-one. And they corrected themselves. Twenty-six seems like I would. I think looking, I would lay. I think fifty-six to twenty-eight would be a good would be a good guess. With a cover, yeah. Tulsa's got a pretty good running back, and Ohio State's run defense is poopy. At it's the poopy time, at the moment, so it's poopy. Um, yeah, so I think like they're not gonna they're not gonna shut out Tulsa, but I also think they might score sixty. Uh, Tulsa, which by the way lost to UC Davis in its opening weekend, and then somehow played a tight game with Oklahoma State in its second game, um, just isn't very good. There's times in the past where Tulsa has been good. They were pretty good when Ohio State beat them in 2016. Um, they were decent last year too. They just don't look like they're very good this year. Um, so I think I would I would pick Ohio State to cover, but I do think Tulsa's going to put some points on the board. Yeah, so I'll say uh, 63 to What did 24. I say? 56 28? 56 28 yeah. in the cover. There we go. But cover. What if they score 28 for, points? Will be the first what if Tulsa scored on a uh, toss left on the first drive. If Tulsa uh, lines up in an unbalanced formation and then runs to the boundary untouched for a touchdown, you have my permission to burn it all down. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope that that doesn't yeah. happen again uh, for for Ohio State. Hopefully, that's one of the many things that Ryan Day and, and them boys on the defensive staff are talking about when they when they hash it out in those defensive meeting rooms. So, um, all right, interesting times for Ohio State. Uh, but they're interesting for us to cover now. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not too upset about it. Uh, subscribe to the athletic. The this athletic. is the time to subscribe. Guys. Slash. F- yeah. athletic.com slash four dash six. Get you 50% off. I'll have a story later this week on CJ Stroud, by the way, that's the, uh, this week's film study is dedicated to CJ Stroud. Um, that'll run on Thursday, I believe. Um, game Saturday, the hacker and games a night game for some reason. So, uh, not, not, uh, necessarily sexy opponents the next two weeks, but Ohio state remains inherently interesting. Um, more so now than we thought they would be coming into the season. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys after the game.